Hello. Hello. Welcome to Neurotic Nourishment Podcast. I am Lindsay Weisner, clinical psychologist. I am Sharon Sapir, non-clinical nutritionist. I'll stop saying stop, it. No, but just stop also like texting me PRN. Like I don't remember that shit from school. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> asking me if... Okay, so my daughter, we just found out, is allergic to pretty much everything. Um, pollen. Pollen. And fruit. And fruits, because they have pollen and proteins. Anyways, and so Sharon and I were texting, and she was asking me, like, oh, no, does she have to be on some medication? And I, of course, wanted an EpiPen, but the damn doctor said no. Whatever, I think I'm going to get one anyway. So, just in case. Did they say that there's a risk of anaphylaxis? Yes, they did. So then why wouldn't they suggest an EpiPen? That makes no sense. That's a huge liability. Probably because he took one look at me and was like, this bitch can't have an EpiPen. She's just going to be stabbing her daughter with it exactly. every time she starts to look puffy. Exactly. So, um, anyways, I was texting Sharon and I said, no, not every day. PRN. And she was like. No, you didn't say PRN. I said this, she need to take medicine and you wrote back prn and i was like what's that bitch <laughs> first of all my father is a doctor i um am going to marry my pediatrician um Who do you have, yeah that's the one i'm marrying <laughs> it's okay everyone knows it's no secret okay um even my husband knows and i like to play i watch a lot of uh gray's anatomy and er growing up so got it there you go but i will say this actually turned out to be kind of a good intro because oh yes today we are talking about um sure <laughs> rolling her eyes uh, today we are talking about how we kind of need to push ourselves, not kind of, we need we have to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone in order to thrive and survive. And I say it's a good intro because uh, the night after this doctor's appointment, the allergist with my daughter, I, my husband and I are lying in bed. He goes, it's no big deal. She's just like me. And my husband is allergic to nothing outside and only things inside um. and has never had any reaction other than sneezing and the occasional hives. And I'm like, we're all going to die. And how do we send her anywhere? And what if she accidentally eats an apple? So the reality is I have to push myself outside the comfort zone. Because otherwise, she would be the boy in the bubble. And though that's a fantastic movie, it's serious. Jake Gyllenhaal. I know. He was like, he was young. I know, but he's so hot. Even with the weird hair. and Yeah, that's true. It's true. Well, I just saw Spider-Man. He's super hot. He was super so hot in Spider-Man. Wait, why did you see Spider-Man? Because Ari and the girls wanted to see it. And I was like, I'm not going to be the uncool mom. And then I started seeing it. And I was like, He's so hot. He's so hot. I know. I tur- I told my daughter he can be my next husband. Well, he's also, I think, like half Jewish, so... Is he? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I already have Jewish children. I know, but in my head, it's always like when, when like someone super hot and famous is, is Jewish, I'm like, and they're Jewish. <laughs> like, like, it gives me some pass. Like, I get a pass. It's a hall pass for Jews. <laughs> I guess. I know. He did look really good. He looked really good. So, um, Sharon and I were talking about this topic, and, um, you know, we spoke a lot about anxiety last week, and I, we mentioned pushing outside the comfort zone, but it also has to do with, like, everything else in the world. Yes. So, my take on it is that 
we are extremely fucking entitled as a culture. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, let's, let's start with like the sociocultural berating the shit out of all of us. Well, yeah, because it just seems like everyone feels like they're entitled to be really comfortable all the time and to be happy. Like it's almost like a given right when you're born. It's like you will always be comfortable and happy. But in fact, who says? I don't know uh, if I'm going to go with the right when you're born, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I just sen- sense a sense sense a sense of entitlement. Um, Good. Can you give us an example? An example is just when people are unhappy, they complain a lot. And I feel like the complaining is because they don't think they deserve to be unhappy. Where in fact, unhappiness often stems from choices that we make or a mindset that we choose to have. And being unhappy usually forces us to or hopefully, if we're not complaining about it, forces us to examine the situation and examine our choices and learn from them so that they're not repeated, so that you actually evolve and you grow rather than just complain and think that you deserve everything. No one deserves anything. So, I, okay, so as a clinical psychologist, I just want to step in and say we're we're distinguishing between depression, which is the best definition I ever heard for depression is um, it's a disproportionate, I feel like I say this every week or I just say it every day with my patients. It's when you have a disproportionate reaction of sadness to some sort of external event that's going on or no event and a disproportional sadness. Um, now that could be, uh, it could be, you know, a learned behavior, a model behavior, which would fall into what you're talking about, but it could also be a, uh, chemical, chemical imbalance. imbalance. Thank you for helping me out with those words. A chemical imbalance. So when we're talking about entitlement, I don't think we're talking about depression, although we did say last week and I agree or I agree. I said it. So I agree with what I said. (laughs) Um, it bears repeating that there are certain, um, ailments, maladies, uh, afflictions. I feel like I'm excited about the Passover plagues. That, um, <laughs> Duh, it's for a day. That only... You got a lot farther than I would have gotten, by the way. I think I only have three. <laughs> that only... The slang of the firstborn. Um, that only affect certain cultures who have the creature comforts and therefore are... Uh, I guess have that entitlement. Right, like in third world countries, does this exist as much? Probably, probably not. not. Yeah, but I agree. People who are sad, um, if you're sad or anxious, and you're, uh, I don't want to say millennials, but <laughs> because it's not just millennials, it's not just it's millennials. It's also poor housewives. You know, like you feel like it's people who don't feel like they have a purpose too. I, I mean, agree. There's so 100%. much. In, there's so much. There is a lot of pieces to that, but I do think not feeling like you have a purpose is a major piece for a non for somebody who's not suffering from it because of a chemical imbalance right and again that's tough to know and uh, a few years ago there was this whole scam where they were going to figure out how like test people to figure out if it was chemical imbalance or not and that was a fucking disaster i could only imagine that every like it's very individual in terms of your like what you your serotonin and dopamine levels need to be in order for you not to be depressed Right, and right. I also imagine it's much like um, healing your back by the book by the doctor I can't remember. Anyways, he discovered like you look at a hundred um, MRIs, 
uh, of fucked up discs and uh, 50 of them experience pain and 50 of them don't. Right. So there's that psychological Pain component. is really, really interesting. And I feel like there was a book on it that I wanted to read and I forgot what the title is. That's not helpful. Hopefully it's called pain. We'll pass that, we'll pass that helpful tip on to our readers. Yes. But I think the point is we do feel entitled. Um, it starts to many things. Uh, I actually said to Sharon, and she actually resisted rolling her eyes shortly before we started podcasting. I was like, I'm bummed. I haven't lost any weight yet. I've been working my ass off at the gym. And the entitlement or the feeling there, and I know how this shit works, but the, is I'm working hard. Why am I not getting rewarded and the fact is um i'm looking for a specific reward and also life isn't always fair you know there's not just because you do the right thing you're not you're not doing the right thing if you want to lose weight you don't go to the gym you focus on your nutrition but you like to go to the gym i'm actually doing both I don't know if you're still spying on me, but I'm not spying okay. on you. So I'm no longer my client. Right. I've actually <laughs> been doing both, but it's only been three weeks. Okay. And for these, you know, three weeks, I'm like, fuck that. I should be entitled to getting mm-hmm. what I want. Mm-hmm. So that's the You have an unrealistic expectation, which is also part of this entitlement Agreed. thing that we all have. And we're not trying to like say, hey, you're, you know, you're an entitled asshole. Like, no, this is in our culture. It's within all of us. Yeah. I, you know, I, is it limited to our culture or is it just within, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Our universe as opposed to the multiverses. <laughs> Thank like you, other children. Thank you, children, for fucking me over with flash references constantly. Um, so uh, I feel like... I, this happens to me a lot with. Is there a noise? There's a weird noise outside. Just ignore oh, it. It looks like we're Hopefully, broadcasting uh, outside. Our else. audience of four can't hear. It is true. So, Hi, Nancy. Hey, Nancy. <laughs> hey, Kendra. <laughs> uh, Cheryl. Um, I don't think Cheryl listens. She, she loves us, but I don't think she listens. Podcasts oh, are. Fuck you, Cheryl. No, never. I'm just kidding. Cheryl is my BFF from Wisconsin. If you guys don't know who Cheryl is, just look at my. Instagram and Cheryl is always interacting because I love her. She is probably one of the coolest people I've ever met that I've never met in person. Fascinating. Let's get back to this because <laughs> yeah, Cheryl doesn't listen anyway. Yes. Um, I have this issue with uh, I have a patient I've been seeing for a long time and she went through a breakup uh, some time ago, over a year ago. And similarly, she sort of she was unhappy with her job and then she ended up being let go anyway. And her statement is, I don't understand. I'm a good girl. I did all the right things. And yet, um, the, and yet being, I don't have a boyfriend and I don't currently have a job. And there's this sense of if I do the right thing, I will be rewarded. Do you think this is from, um, parenting and growing up? Because I know my kids often say that's not fair, and I'll be very quick to remind them that they are owed nothing in life, that life doesn't function on a fairness scale, really. Like, <laughs> Yes, Israeli, continue. <laughs> um, well, it's true, though. Yeah. But it, it's true, and I, and I say, like, you know, things happen sometimes, and there's no rhyme or reason, but you have to do what you know is the right thing. That's the only thing that you can control is doing what you know is right, and sometimes you get screwed over. Yeah. That's something I'm really trying to like pump into their head with like how you say in Hebrew like a pompa like a what plunger is that? like pompa 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 like a pump it's a 
pompa. I like a better pompa. I like a pompa better too. Okay. A pompa. <laughs> a pompa. I'm gonna use that with my children. Actually, <laughs> I'm gonna forget it. Call you in two hours and go, "What's that word?" Yeah. Um, and then I'll be like, "What are you talking about?" Exactly. And we'll get really mad at each other. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That happens a lot. Um, but there is a sense of entitlement and it's not just like a laziness of like well why can't I do this it's also a well if I do this if I do XYZ shouldn't I get what I want and I I don't know if it's an American Western civilization thing because we're not as familiar with Eastern cultures and religions we can't speak to that no but the interesting thing is so Western culture we are more about guilt whereas eastern cultures are more about shame is that because guilt is tied into many of our major religions yes and also um shame is more you should feel embarrassed because of how your actions have reflected on your family right there's a bigger family component right a social component Uh whereas we either feel guilty about things we've done Mm -hmm. or we don't and if people don't find out about what we've done there's Mm. nothing to feel guilty about Mm. whereas with shame it's you know you should feel negatively because you have done something wrong okay so how does that relate then to the uncomfortable Feeling uncomfortable. Feeling uncomfortable. Well, I think both guilt and shame make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, I like it. And that going. makes a lot of sense. But uh, I wonder if the entitlement aspect is uh, different culturally, as in we feel more entitled because our guilt is our internal feeling and we can do things to distract from our internal feeling of guilt. You know, um, we accuse other people of causing our unhappiness. That's exactly. one thing that we do to distract ourselves. Right. Or I ate too much. I'm going to go to the gym for four hours. Right. That's a distraction, especially if you like to go to the gym. Forget about me liking to go to the gym, bitch. That's not what we're talking about. The point is, or, you know, like I forgot to buy you, a, I forgot to wish you happy birthday, so I'm going to buy you the greatest birthday present ever. Right. We find a way to try to compensate for our actions so mm-hmm. that. I think the Western civilization, Western culture is more like a scale, a balancing scale. Well, nobody wants to examine their own behavior because there's always that chance that you go, oh, right. Like I didn't really make the best choice there and I'm in this mess because of me. And that's like the crappiest feeling. And we like, who wants to feel that unless you're someone who's really committed to being like, I want to grow. I want to evolve. No matter how painful and uncomfortable it is. I think that's a reaction formation. A doing the opposite of how you feel. I think that's an, a try, like. I think even that is trying to undo. Like I want to grow. I want to. It's sort of saying I fucked up, but I'm going to learn from this. Yeah, I mean, I, it's positive, but it's still an opposite action. I think intended to excuse yourself for your past. So, what are you supposed to do then? I think that's the best thing you can. Yeah, do, that's what I was going to say. But I think you have to be aware of why you're doing it. Okay, I mean, I still think it's fine because it's like you're either going because Tom Campbell says so. <laughs> No, but Um, it it is. It's getting more enlightened. It's moving up to, you know, it's becoming more aware. And I agree. As a psychologist, I have nothing to do with Tom Campbell. If you're more aware of your actions, you're more likely to, uh, you know. To learn from them. Right. Um, 
and yes, it does get to like what I mean. We can go down a rabbit hole with this in terms of like, well, what's the point of us being here, and is it to learn and to evolve and to grow? And if so, like that requires us to look at our decisions and and to try to make better ones every every time. I think merely growing and learning and yeah. age, regardless of regardless our purpose of your purpose, or not. growth requires you to look at your past and right. present. But do you think everybody wants to grow? I think everyone says they do, yeah. but no, because growth is fucking painful and uncomfortable. Exactly. So that's kind of what that gets me back to is, is yeah, I, I kind of when I think of like a lot of people I know, I think a lot of them are like really happy with themselves. Yeah. It's, they don't feel like they need to change I don't think they're grow. happy. I think they're happy enough not to make themselves uncomfortable. Maybe, but they can choose. So that's interesting because... They might not want to make themselves uncomfortable when it comes to personal development, but they'll choose a goal like, I want to get more fit or I want to lose weight. And whether that's a distraction or it's just them trying to, thinking they can, it's a more manageable thing to try to work on. But then once they see that it's an uncomfortable process, they often don't want to do it. Right. For example, um, being hungry, as we were talking about. Yeah. So to lose weight, you have to be hungry I mean it's it's like unless actually so when I did keto I know this is weird but when I did keto for a month because I was so curious about it and I was dealing with like you know menstrual issues and read that it could help I was not hungry when you said red I thought something different because we were talking about menstrual issues Um, no, uh, yeah, I wasn't hungry because, um, eliminating carbs and sugar really turns off your hunger mechanism. So it's much easier to be in a calorie deficit, but then there's this whole other component of whether it's actually something that is a convenient and sustainable and practical thing to do in the long term. which for many people, it's not including myself. I just couldn't deal with the, with this diet. Um, but that was the only time that I was not hungry and did lose weight. Um, any other time that you're eating normally, your body is going to send you crazy signals because your body does not want to lose weight. Unless, it just doesn't. It's homeostasis. But when you try, when you did the uh, intermittent fasting, you were... I was starving. I couldn't do it. Interesting. I, I know you're very good with intermittent fasting. I... Well, I'm obviously not so good. Well, I'm very good with the concept, just not anything happening. No, I, I, I think that you well, could not eat for a while without feeling like you're going to pass go out yeah. or have a panic attack. Whereas I feel like I'm going to die. I right. mean, I have such food anxiety. It's I carry food in my purse. It's like, but I think that we discussed. I think it's a smart thing to do. It is, but I. It's smart, it's practical, but I really think that if I didn't, I might have a panic attack if I got hungry. So what? What would happen if you had a panic attack? Right. And, and this brings, I mean, I want to go back to what you're, Yeah. I want to go back to the other half of the, you know, nutrition, which is the exercise of being uncomfortable. But so um, panic attacks, mm-hmm. they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of problems explaining to patients it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Sit your, you know, don't flee, whatever it yeah. is. You sit your ass down and you get through it. And an hour later or, mm-hmm. you know, two hours later, whatever it is, mm-hmm. eventually you'll calm the fuck down. Like, uh, a lot of people have a fear of cats, which I think is bizarre. 
I know a lot of people who don't like cats. If you're listening yeah. and you don't like cats... Can you please tell us why? Yeah, either... I don't know. We don't know how to check comments, but just you can DM us. DM us on Instagram. Yeah, Lindsay is at Psych Shrink Mom. I am at Superior Nutrition. One we of us. We also have... Oh, a, a podcast. A podcast, Neurotic Nourishment, Thanks. that Sharon checks on occasion and then laughs at the things that I discuss with people. Because <laughs> um, I'm the only one who does that thing. You know, but it's true. Like, I don't understand the fear of cats. We've actually had a lot of babysitters that couldn't do it because of the cats. Really? Yep. I think people think cats are unpredictable. That's that's the that's the rep. The reputation Life of cats. Life is fucking unpredictable. Right. And people don't like that. They It makes them uncomfortable. Right. And right. And <laughs> phobias. And like, listen, I'm, I feel like there's a difference between PTSD. Where you've experienced something traumatic and there's an actual reason of why you have this fear. Right. Or, or, and a random ass, I hate snakes. I hate snakes. Well, I hate spiders. Hate them. Hate spiders. Right. But did you have a traumatic event with a spider? So I never liked them. But yes, I got a bite, a spider bite that got very infected. And it was in the Florida Keys. And I had to go to the ER. And they put me on um, that antibiotic that makes you really sensitive to the sun dicyclin or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Didn't tell me. And me being like yeah. uh, translucent yeah. <laughs> in the Florida Keys got like second degree burns um, because I wasn't careful enough at not knowing that I was really sensitive to the sun and I had a really bad experience. So I do, that does flash into my head when it I see does, spiders. It does, but just to point something out, yeah. you could just as easily have developed a phobia to the sun as the spider. But the sun isn't so creepy and crawly. <laughs> also, the sun wouldn't be as easy to avoid or fear. The fact is, the way they treat phobias is yeah. with one of the ways is with exposure therapy. I'm all for it. Right, where you get closer and closer and closer and eventually, you know, you're like you're like, "Look, here's your fucking spider and nothing's happening to you." But they have those pinchers like when we were in the, <laughs> we were in Mammoth and not Mammoth, Yosemite, and we rented, we did an Airbnb, which was awesome, by the way, and one morning, I saw the biggest spider of my life on the wall, um, next to the staircase, and I screamed for my husband to come down, because I'm a chicken, and usually he just, like, takes them outside, because I don't like to kill things, even if I'm really scared of them, and... He looked, he's like, yeah, those fangs are kind of big. And he just took like a chew and whacked it. <laughs> he's like, ah, I'm not going to like, you know, I don't know how to get that guy outside without risking. But the, but the funny part is the whole day I was so sad about killing the spider. And I was apologizing to the spider in my head for my fear. And I mean, you could have, you're looking at me like I could have a field day with you. I don't even know where to go with this. I mean, <laughs> I stumped the psychologist. You know what? You had to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if the spider was the, you know, mass murderer that you and Ari apparently decided <laughs> that it was, even though you're much bigger than the spider, whatever. You it's big spider, just well, saying. It wasn't bigger than you and Ari. No. But you have to feel uncomfortable with yeah. what your actions, yes. in this case killing the spider. You have yeah. to feel uncomfortable in order to learn from them. Right. So does that mean that next time I see a spider, I think, do I really want to feel crappy all day because I'm killing this little creature that probably isn't such a, you know, a threat like I think it is? I mean, is that the lesson and that's why I did feel and it was good that I felt uncomfortable? Maybe. Yeah. 
Probably. I, I mean, and that's a good example. Actually, right. I thought it was completely out there, but it works. No. I mean, and I know you're the nutritionist, but um, the way my understanding of how muscle building oh, works, right? Yes. yes. Like, okay, I now know what people mean when they say leg day because it's like dreadful to try to get up and down stairs after you have a serious leg workout. When you're very sore. But the funny thing about that is that the more you work out, the longer you do it for, the harder and harder to get that sore. And just because you don't get that sore doesn't mean that you're not making progress with muscle. But so do you think that would mean that... Um, so, Or do you think that would mean... So it, what we're saying is... The first time someone it happened to someone, they would have a choice of either being like, fuck this, I'm never doing leg day again, yeah. which I would totally support, <laughs> or keep going, and then eventually it gets easier. Yeah, so of course you want to keep going because you're going to progress towards your goal versus giving up, and if you give up, you fail. And so we so is this an example of us feeling like we are entitled to what we want without there having to be like a cost benefit yeah if if you get really sore and say i'm not doing this again that's you being entitled to like i want the benefit without the cost but you get rewarded for sticking out through this period of being uncomfortable eventually because you won't get that sore and you won't be in so much pain and it's funny you know do you remember the story of the gift of the magi you can say no, I'll tell it to you. No. Um, that might not be its name, but let's pretend that it is. I think it is. Anyways, it's basically there's this husband and wife, and they have no money, and they love each other very much, and the husband sees this <coughs> every time. The husband's, and it's always at the same time. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I know. The husband, the husband sees these beautiful... Um, tortoise shell hair clips in the window and he doesn't have money to buy this it's their anniversary but he really wants it he thinks about it he thinks about it um and uh the wife meanwhile across town sees a chain for the husband's pocket watch that she thinks would be so you know so perfect so beautiful but she doesn't have the money so p.s in an ironic twist of fate she sells her hair Oh. And he sells his pocket watch so that they can gift each other these beautiful items. Oh. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, if someone will make a wish, this might have happened in Aladdin, but it's been a long time. But if someone, like if you get, to, if you you know rub a lamp with a genie, you make a wish, yeah. it ends up backfiring on you because we expect to be able, we expect to not have to suffer or trade off or. Sacrifice. Well, think about the lottery. Right. And the curse of the lottery, right? I mean, like, how many winners have just had their life completely implode? Yeah, that's not a science thing, you know. No, but I think there was a good documentary about it, maybe. I'm sure there is. There's, okay. not, there's also a documentary about the flat earth, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but and about um, M&M's, what is it? The, the Skittles being healthier for you than meat because they're vegan. Shut the fuck up, really? Yeah, it's a huge, huge vegan documentary. What the hell? Like, they're like, they show like Okay, so I already like it because of the name. Yeah. That's an awesome name. It's an awesome name for like... We should have named our podcast What the Hell. Well, I think that would have had copyright infringement. Not if I didn't know about the Skittles. (laughs) Not true. Whatever. Um, Yes. And I also think the lottery curse is a product of statistics being like... Not many people win the lottery, and so when bad things 
happen, it's probably, um, there's probably like a media bias, it's reported more. But even if you don't want to go as extreme as the lottery, like somebody who I love to follow, Gary Vaynerchuk, I talk about him sometimes, Gary V, he's like a big, big entrepreneur and he talks to the younger generations about like growing the fuck up and just doing the work and and being a good person. Right. So he's really refreshing. Um, so he has also talked about how, like, he feels worse for the kids who were born into a lot of wealth with wealthy parents because, like, dude, like, there's nothing to, to get really uncomfortable for and, like, you'll always be discounted and credit will always be given to your background versus somebody who is underprivileged and works their ass off and, and is self-made, right? So right. that degree of being uncomfortable works for one person and the other person can actually never prove it. So, which is true. Um, it's interesting. So I, as usual, I'm looking something up on my phone. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot, not right now, but like five, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, FOMO was a big thing, you know, fear of missing out. Right. And as it turned out, and I looked this up, this is true. This guy I went to college with, uh, Patrick McGinnis is, um, uh, credited with discovering the term. or inventing the term and, you know, fear of missing out. And he now has a fantastic podcast and it is called, damn, it's escaping me, but it's something like FOMO, FOMO Sapiens. Oh, cool. It's really cool. And he basically interviews successful people and, um, the underlying thing is like, what have you had to miss out in order to get on your success Mm -hmm. and um you know and and it is an interesting concept and the idea behind it is like yeah you can have this great success but you have to sacrifice something right it's almost like required yeah right it is required but we don't realize that no because because people don't talk about it enough and when you look at social media it seems like People are so successful and their lives are perfect and they haven't sacrificed anything. I mean, you just, people don't show that side. They show success and they don't show what they've sacrificed and what's been uncomfortable. And it's probably just human nature because I think it makes you vulnerable when you talk about that side versus look how great and successful I am. Right. And and the same thing with people who've achieved, you know, massive weight loss or I mean actually those people often talk more about like this, this was really hard and uncomfortable and not easy. But they will, but think about okay, lottery related. What about uh the show The Biggest Loser? Oh, that was a disaster. All those people gained the weight back. And why do you think that was? Oh, because they were on an unsustainable diet. A hundred percent. It was unsustainable. Yeah. Um, they didn't learn tools to eat in the real world in a way that would help them lose weight. It was just, it was like a fantasy world. And then they dropped them off in real life. And it's like, it's not the same. The variables, the circumstances aren't the same. It was almost like a cruel thing to do. It was totally cruel. And I would also imagine if there's some sort of entitlement there Mm. of, I worked my ass off for 12, I have no idea. However many weeks. And, you know, I worked so hard and I deserve to have the weight be kept off. Well, I worked so hard and, you know, I won or I came in second or whatever, and yeah. I should be allowed to have this chocolate chip cookie 
or skip the gym or maybe but speaking about entitlement of eating the chocolate chip cookie in the gym i think there's especially if if you haven't counted calories before and and you don't have a very accurate idea of how many calories you burn versus how many calories are in food the whole because i used to do this as a teenager all the time i'd be like i went to the gym and i'm starving now i definitely burned off those three brownies <laughs> hello were they weed brownies no okay. that wasn't i didn't do any of that i'm stuff. just kidding Whatever. no i was like too good i wish i had been more rebellious but that came in my 30s um so well then it was a short-lived rebellion <laughs> it was pretty short i mean i think the point is we all feel like you know, entitlement is a funny word, but we can use it in a million different ways. And I have this conversation with depressed patients. You want to feel better? Get the fuck out of your situation. Change something. Do something. Yes. Uh, people who are single and want to, you know, find a partner. Okay, well, what are you doing to find that partner? Right. They're not just going to magically appear no, in front of you rarely. because you really want them to. Right. And then people will tell me all the ways they don't want to meet there. Partner. Uh, so they're already in a negative. Yeah, so I don't want to do online dating. I don't want a friend to introduce me. I don't want it to be a neighbor. I don't want to meet someone at the gym. So are they protecting themselves? Is this like a self protection? Like I'm going to put more and more barriers around me so that this isn't likely to actually happen and I can just say I want it to happen? That is one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I, I've been working hard on my second book about second book. Excited. Yes, uh, tentatively titled Love, Lust, and Lackluster Relationships. It mm. may be too long. We could talk about that later. Anyways, I've been t- discussing with my computer the reason why you're, like, this is why you're still single. And here are the top 10 reasons I see for why people are still single. Mm. And I do think that as we're talking about this, an underlying thing is entitlement, where, like, you know what you will and won't do and who you will and won't date, and you feel like you should get what you want without having to go around those things, without having to bend. Yeah. Is that like the Seinfeld syndrome a little bit? Like where he f- can find something wrong in any person? I'd like to think it was deeper than Seinfeld. Yeah. But that kind of reminded me of that. Like, it does, but I don't know that Seinfeld has to do with entitlement in that way. Right. Was he just like, was he just protecting himself? It was an entitlement so. thing. Maybe. but And it, also, if you look deep enough, you can find something wrong with everyone. And, yes. And there's, okay, do we feel like we're entitled to be with a perfect partner? Is it is the increasing divorce rate and the multiple marriages in part because, you know... We keep looking for somebody better for us? We feel like we deserve better. We deserve better. I don't have the definite answer. It's just what occurred to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll probably have it by the end of the book. And or then is it because the, the nobody book. works on themselves enough to actually truly change so they keep... Dating the same asshole in a different body. Exactly. That's why it usually is. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I agree. Because I, yeah. But I do feel like, I don't know if it's accurate, but I feel this sense of like, like people are, I don't know if it's like becoming more enlightened, but I'm just, I'm feeling like more and more people are starting to work on themselves. Like it's becoming mainstream to work on yourself. Um, interestingly, (laughs) interestingly, as a therapist, I feel the opposite. I feel like a lot of people think, how about this? Maybe they're going through the motions without putting in any real change or commitment. Interesting. 
But that could also be that you are hanging out with more enlightened people than I am. Well, I mean, I'm on Instagram all the time. I really feel like half my life is just in my phone on Instagram. Same, and I'm surprised that we're comparing Instagram to being the enlightened people, but it's who you follow. I only follow people who I think are enlightened. I just have no... (laughs) That's a huge standard to live up to. Okay. Well, not completely enlightened. I mean, they're people, right? Like, they're people are people. None of us are, like, totally enlightened and, and know all the answers and are just all love and no ego. But I like people who don't front so people who yeah I understand yeah um, I I can't stand it and I think it's really it's it's ubiquitous on social media um, I like people who are upfront about their vulnerabilities I like realness Same. I like right? people who make me think yeah exactly so yeah I maybe that's why so I'm biased in that direction because that's who I follow and then your patients are. Still, a, you know, working, working on progress. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. We're all work in progress. Uh, I also yeah. like. I find that I like. I like what I term like survivors or orphans or people that have mm. fought through something. Because if you grow up fighting for love, safety, affection, whatever, I think you're less likely to feel entitled. Yeah, and so for sure. that is. I think I feel like those are the people I tend to gravitate towards. Yes. Yeah. Um, I call. I used to call them orphans, but. It's it's really just a scrappy been, Charles Dickensy esque, you know. But then, I mean, this could be another podcast. But then, do some of those people develop kind of like survivalist tendencies that can be destructive? Yeah, to themselves or people around them. Sure, but sure, but I also think if you get to a certain level and you're not like a murderer, a drug dealer, a rapist, you've Managed to find that tender side mm. um, in the scrappy. It's what we were just talking about before we started, where I like people that will talk about you oh, yeah. to your face and defend, and you, defend behind. you behind your back. To me, that's that survivor scrappiness where um, you don't feel like you're entitled. You know you have to work for things. And I don't see the connection, but I understand why you like those people. The connection being like if you've had to fight your whole life, you understand that you're more likely to be less entitled. Right, but what does that have anything to do about talking shit about you in front of your face and defending you behind your back? It's a scrappiness. It's I'm not afraid. It's an I'm not afraid. Right. And you have heart because you're defending. Exactly. Got it. No, see, now I made the connection. I'm very honest when I don't I know. get things. I know. And then I'm like looking at you like, well, can't you pretend? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't <laughs> pretend. I just Couldn't you pretend on the podcast? Sharon and pretend don't go together. I know, but what happens the day that I'm like, I don't know. About what? Whatever I said, what the connection was. Now I'm lost. <laughs> You're the one on the meds. <laughs> I mean, we need to get me on the meds. But you said you like me on the meds. That's amazing. I do. You get so much done. I've gotten so I much. have to say, you guys, um, Lindsay texted me like yesterday morning. Like, by the way, this is our podcast lineup with like all these guests and the times and the day. And I was like. And they're very awesome, exciting. They're day. really. And Sharon writes awesome. back, are you still taking your ADD meds? I no. was like, yes, why? That was way later. First they said, you fucking rock. Oh, yeah. Because I give credit where credit yeah. is due. And then like an hour later, she's like, are you still taking your meds? <laughs> I was like, why? Am I doing something wrong? And she's like, no, you're just getting shit done. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I should consider them. Yeah. 
different different conversation. But anyways, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for listening. I am Lindsay Weisner at Psych Shrink Mom. Sharon Sapir at Sapir Nutrition. We appreciate you. And if there's anything, if there's a fifth listener, let us know and we'll say hi to you. Yeah, DM us. Um, also, you can also follow us on our podcast Insta thingy um, at Neurotic Nourishment. Yes, awesome. We thank love you. you. Bye. Bye.